So, you see Echo, mostly, like, through this glass doorway to the back of the shop, just watching them lock the doors finally and turn off the open sign. Baz will jump down off of the roof, uh, attempt to catch the lintel of the window frame, and crash through it, where he knows Ariel is waiting, and essentially just scoop her up and, and run out the back. All of a sudden, it's like Cadence's face is really hard to make out. Like, you're much more focused on, like, the collar of my jacket, and you're not sure if I was wearing a jacket. All of that stuff, and, like, my torso and stuff, maybe I look taller than I did before. It's hard to tell. We're all sitting down. But for whatever reason, all the details that you try to focus on in the face and the head area, your mind just slips right off. I'm like, they're not even there. Content warning. <laughs> Content warning. We say the word moist. I this is now feel... a City of Moist podcast. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a descriptor. We, we are, are the ones, ones who do recall when we saw the bodies fall. Hey there, Sojourners, and welcome to episode number 100 of the Gothic Podcast. I forgot episode 100 you guys congratulations on episode 100. what a what a great start to uh retrospective yeah and, and our season four retrospective city of mist is done it's almost like Ooh. we did that on purpose <laughs> patrick you well don't. i wish it was on purpose it, it worked out it, it almost didn't yeah <laughs> it 99 would have been cool too it almost yeah. did not. Yeah, it, it. I only saw that it was going to happen that way, I don't know, half a dozen episodes ago. It was planned from the beginning. Nice. It was definitely uh, yeah, planned yeah, from yeah. the beginning. <laughs> episode one. It was planned one. from it was like, season oh, yes. one. <laughs> right from season one. It was one. deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sojourners, for joining us. Yes, yeah. indeed. And thanks for coming along for the ride of season four. Hopefully oh. you've also ridden with us in a ghostly carriage <laughs> all the way from <laughs> season one. I know wow. that there are a lot of things that make a heck of a lot more sense if you have been with us from the beginning. Mm -hmm. We kind of, we usually try to make a season stand more or less alone, except for the episodes along the way that deal specifically with the contemporary now characters. But those, you know, are kind of separate from the others, usually. But City of Mist and season four was uh, that was impossible to do because of reasons in that the contemporary now characters were actively in the heads of our rifts. Oh, wow. How, OK, yeah. So let's start yeah, there. Why, Patrick? Why? Okay. Why did you do that? Why did you yourself? do this? Why did you do Patrick, it to us? Why did we do that? <laughs> you know what? I, I know season three was rough. The alien one, because we were jumping back and forth between settings and characters. But was this one worse <laughs> or easier or what? You know, I actually don't think so, because I I thought that um, the the degree to which we were jumping back and forth between our contemporary now characters and our city of missed characters was fairly controlled. It felt actually kind of reminded me of season one where we were it, following both characters uh, in the same. It reminded me season. more of season two. Oh, did it? <laughs> I mean, like thematically and like, vi you know, the visuals that I had in my brain as we were doing this reminded me of season two. But <laughs> yeah, but in terms of the the jumping back and forth with the contemporary now characters, it uh, they reminded me of season one. So I didn't feel like it was overwhelming at all. No. 
editing um, this season has been reasonably easy. Uh, figured mm-hmm. out some things that made things go a lot faster and a lot better, except for one episode in particular. Mm-hmm. The musical I which episode. One. <laughs> oh my god. I hate technology and technology hates me. Uh-huh. That could be a song. I hate technology and technology hates me. <laughs> I think progress is the root of all evil yeah. <laughs> from Will Abner. Fire is scary and Thomas Edison was a witch. Eventually, we plan on having instrumental background uh, music for our songs that we did for the musical episode. Uh, Maybe by the time you listen to this, that's already happened. I hope so. That would be great. (laughs) There was the contemporary now things that uh, the characters that may have felt like they integrated maybe a little bit better. But also, in addition to the City of Mist logos characters, there was a... There were those City of Mist mythos characters pushing through, too. And that's one of the cool things about the City of Mist RPG is that it allows to examine those internal um, those internal conflicts, uh, those character drives that are pushing against one another. But uh, I did I do want to um, ask everybody what you thought of the City of Mist role playing game itself the mechanics and how it went with the podcast and all that good stuff i loved it i love the idea behind it and that actually leads into one of my other questions which we can touch on later but the fun way that you flip the cards between the logos and the mythos Mm -hmm. is that derived from another system or is that pretty specific to this one so city of mist is uh based on two different game system cores. There is uh, Powered by the Apocalypse, which of course we have had lots of experience with playing Monster of the Week. There is also the Fate system. Now the Fate system uses tags, so that's where a lot of the tag things were coming from. But the flipping mm-hmm. between Mythos and Logos, as far as I know, that's that's a City of Mist thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really uh, cool mechanic. And uh, shout out real sure. quick to whoever did the character sheets for City of Mist Holy on crap, Roll Twenty. Good job. <laughs> yeah, first, um, I loved this. <laughs> it, it didn't let me do a lot of getting into my own head, and I thought it it still told a really good story. So mm-hmm. the three characters, good. A question that comes to us from our Discord server. Mm-hmm. And hey there, Sojourners, come join us on our Discord server. The links are in the show notes. Uh, One of our uh, patrons asked about the aging process of our contemporary now characters. Do they age uh, at book world rate or at real, quote unquote, uh, real world rate? I love that thought. And it's it's a weird thing. Uh, Sit back and think about the last time you just really dived into a book. <laughs> Did and you that's really the time it would take. Time. <laughs> right. So you, the well, contemporary now characters wouldn't age that much in the time period it would take to like read that yeah. book and live that book. Well, okay. So what I'm thinking, I'm thinking about like the break between season one and season two, we realized that the house had been abandoned in the time that we were gone. So time path, I assume our unconscious bodies weren't there on the floor during the time that the house we have was seen, shut down. We have had scenes where your contemporary now character bodies vanish. 
Right. Yes. So our our physical bodies don't exist in the universe while we're off doing book world, world stuff. So I would assume we age in, in book world time. Interesting. Yeah, I think for the time they're in story. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we don't get a book that <laughs> that takes because, 10 yeah, years to tell There's the time jumps. <laughs> there's there's definitely time jumps through the seasons. Right, and, right, right. But there's also like those various times while we are the contemporary now characters. Mm-hmm. That we're fighting in life. And I don't think that correlates as much with the book world. Yes, the book worlds take us to a alternate timeline where the contemporary now characters age between the books. Mm-hmm. I don't think they age as much during the books. Well, I mean, it depends on the book, right? Like, if 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 there was a book that was like, what what if we jumped into a memoir, you know, <laughs> and lived <laughs> someone's entire lifetime, you know? Yeah. Or like... Uh, you know, and that's I'd different. feel like it would be kind of kaput, right? Although, I don't know. The curious case of Benjamin Button. Wouldn't that be a weird one? Oh, man. <laughs> we come oh back we're all babies. <laughs> Please, no. I don't want to go through puberty again. <laughs> because your bodies do vanish in canon, we have seen that happen, that uh, you would age at the book rate rather than the the real world rate it seems now uh yeah you you raise some interesting questions but it it almost would come down to not how lo- much time passes in the books but how long it would take to read the book yeah oh okay so if we did go into a memoir we wouldn't be old people when we came out right unless it took you 20 years or 30 years to read, to the, read book. the book well yeah. i don't know my i never did finish stand. moby dick <laughs> <laughs> yeah you just aged some planeswalkers up yeah. by <laughs> 20 <Sorry>. some years <laughs> in an ideal situation how long it would take to read the book yeah 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 okay cool all right so, Eric, you got one for us? Oh, I have a list. <clears throat> this one is actually about season one. So, Sharon, bear oh. with me if you can remember. Uh, and yeah. this ties into one of the, the shout outs I had. When did Dr. Grace's legless situation become canon? Um, You mean in terms of like when I was coming up with her character or yeah. like in her personal timeline? Uh, So as far as becoming canon, I would say, when do you think you introduced it to the story on the podcast? And I also wonder how soon you wanted that to be the case. Yeah. So um, uh, Dr. Grace uses the um, Monster of the Week playbook, uh, The Mad Scientist. And when you're making The Mad Scientist Monster of the Week, you you pick some kind of um, some kind of like augmentation or something that's like mm-hmm. you could have a, a minion or like, I don't remember what they all are, but one of the ones that I picked, uh, one, one of the ones that's on there is like cybernetic implants or something. And uh, oh, here it is. I found it. Um, so yeah, you can have like necromant- necromantic animation or hypnokinetic manipulation, whatever that means to you. Fringe physics, demonic channeling. Um, but I pick cybernetic augmentation. And uh, so this was when I was coming up with Grace's character. Uh, okay. So from from the moment she's introduced, she has prosthetic legs and feet. Partially because so I thought how, that would how be intentional was it. To not bring that up right away. Oh, um, probably not very intentional. I mean, okay. Uh, Grace and LJ, Doctor Grace and LJ knew each other already, yeah. and uh, and I'd also been in contact with uh, uh, Jacob Candle okay. as well. And I I don't know if if Doc would think it relevant to mention in like 
some guy she'd been emailing like by the way right. i've lost both legs you know <laughs> like, right uh so so uh maybe for 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 Jacob Candle um the first time he realizes she he's has like, wait what bionic feet she's, he's like what no anyway no it was in there right from the beginning I'm trying to remember though when the audience would know I grabbed one of Dr. Grace's legs as LJ and beating early, someone yeah. bloody yeah in the that, was a tour. that was like two thirds of the way through yeah. yeah. It was I, it was in season one though. I, I think it might have been. Uh, we were talking about because Patrick, you had asked us something like, "How did you all know Haven Harrow?" or something like that. And I described we had a podcast together. We did urban urban explan- exploration. I have this cyber claw that folds us down, and doubles <laughs> as one of my prosthetics. You know, and that's that might have been the first time I mentioned it. It was it was earlier for like fence season. cutting and stuff. Like, yeah, 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 it was it was earlier than the season. It was earlier and than when uh, LJ, LJ used the legs. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Episode you, 14. Did you hit sloshy with my leg? Like, was, yeah. was that who you no. were hitting? <laughs> oh, it was. It was. It was. It was, it was think, a. It was. it was a it slosh was. person. You combined the slosh of two aliens into one Tupperware. Tub. Into a Tupperware. And oh, my then- God. <laughs> oh, I got to go so back that's and the first to time one again. You, you, you. you you hit sloshy with my leg. <laughs> it was it was one of those creatures, yes. Yeah, God, that's hilarious. Yeah, I've lost track of which one originally sloshy was impersonating, but so episode five was the first time that we're introduced to the contemporary now characters. It uh-huh. was episode fourteen before I caught a clear. Oh, before you realized, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Doctor Grace has no legs. But yeah, no, I, I I knew from the moment I was filling out Doc's character sheet that that she was going to have these um, prosthetic feet. Okay. And I have always uh, been quite, I, I like the fact that uh, it's never, it only comes up when it needs to come up. It's never mm-hmm. a, you know, it, it's only an issue. I oh, think yeah. it only became an issue ever when uh, Dr. Race was having to use a wheelchair in the house. After it had oh, been yeah. abandoned and nobody was there, yeah. and there was the cloud of eyeballs floating around, yep. remember that? Well, what was up with that? When we returned from season <laughs> yeah, two, the cloud of eyeballs—that was crazy. Right. No, uh, and and really quick, that ties into. I thought it was intentional, by the way, that it didn't come up on the podcast until yeah, there was yeah. actually a reason to be. Well, hang on, right. I also have a wheelchair. I thought that was really great. I don't want to constantly talk about like who is. By the way. Footless, you know, like <laughs> it was intentional on my part that right. it be very okay. naturalistic, that it just okay. happens when it happens. Mm-hmm. Well, that that really tied into one thing that I love about the way Sharon is approaching characters, and that's that there's constantly some aspect of, of somebody marginalized in your character build. And you know, I thought of you know what you did with Cadence and mm-hmm. some of the some of the research you talked about doing. And, you know, and Dr. Grace having a, a severe disability. And mm-hmm. I I just really like how yeah. it seems seems that you try to do that. Well, you know, I don't know if it, if it was like intentionally like that. But for Dr. Grace, I was thinking specifically about like, because I, I, I thought the Mad Scientist playbook sounded interesting. So I figured I wanted to, do, wanted to do that. And I was like, well, obviously, the last thing I should do is is play a skinny white woman because all of the Mad Scientists in you know everything that i've watched or listened to are are skinny white people right and uh and then this was also season one where 
you know, the first character I created is Opera Grace, right? And I'm like, I'm going to be an opera singer, but I'm going to be a fat black opera singer because how many of those are there in gothic fiction? Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, I was kind of caught between like, you know, the advice, write what you want to see and like, write what you know. And so I was like, you know, I'm a I'm a thin white person and there's so many thin white people in gothic media. Like you don't need another one of those. I'm not going to do it in a way that's interesting or or new, right? Um so I was just like, you know, th- this was a case of writing what I wanted to see rather than writing what I knew, I guess. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's really cool. We tread on that line quite a bit here on yeah, the yeah, yeah. podcast. Yeah, and that's something I think about a lot too cuz like um you know, when deciding on voices and stuff, I'm like, do I want to try to incorporate any AAVE? And that makes me uncomfortable in a in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Almost like I feel like kind of like it's like vocal blackface a little bit. I don't want to I don't want to do that. Um, so that's why I've never done it. <laughs> right. Um, and I don't know if anyone else feels like that, but that's how I feel about it. Fair enough. Do you guys have questions or should I keep firing away? Well, we kind of got away from City of Mist. So I want to I have a kind of a general question for Eric, because um We've been in a couple of just like D&D games together at this point. And I want to know, um, do you have like a note taking system or how do you always wind up with the best notes from every session of everything we've been in together? I have a two screen computer and I'm not running a million DM things on however many screens Patrick oh, has. Really? And I just, I just type <laughs> you're, while you're everything's typing happening. It, that's how you do it. Okay. Yeah. So you don't have a cutesy little, uh, you know, notebook with little symbols or anything. It's just no. literally just typing. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. <laughs> Patrick has had up to five screens running at once. <laughs> oh my dear God! Good grief! <laughs> Sounds like work. <laughs> <laughs> because Eric has the very sensitive blue yeti. Uh, yeah. Sometimes his typing <laughs> comes through very clearly. Yeah, I'm sorry. Maybe I'll try taking click, click, click. typed notes rather than text notes. Although I have two notebooks full of the Gothic podcast now, and I would feel bad if I didn't uh, fill up another one with season five. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. You've got to sell those in like mm-hmm, 10 years mm-hmm. for a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And season five is going to be the wrapping up of our five-year arc. Our five-year mm-hmm. mission. I'm excited. Out new game systems. Yeah, we're going to have a couple of new game systems we get into. I thought I'd wait a little while before talking about the Season 5 preview, but uh, it came kind of Do organically it. Do here. Do it now. So, uh, yeah, we're, we have a there's a concept for Season 5 that has us playing a couple of different game systems because we're so good at picking up game systems on the fly. Real quick. We thought we would do Real multiples quick. at once. <laughs> we don't know how to play either of these games. <laughs> but to give you that little preview, we're going to start off with a little game called Brindlewood Bay, mm. which is little old ladies solving crimes in a New England seaside town where there's also possibly Cthulian influences. Gibbs <laughs> on Miss Marple. All right. What's next? That was your question. So I guess I have a question now. Yeah. Let's see. Um, let's go. Sharon, how was it taking on? I mean, you always do great. I love the characters that you play. Thank you. Um, <laughs> how was it taking on this rock star persona? Oh, um, well, what once I once I knew what I wanted Cadence to be, I didn't feel like it was a problem, but I had a really hard time creating Cadence for some reason. I had a real tough and I think it may have been to do with the fact that I felt like I had even less idea of how to play this game than usual before the beginning of the season. 
but like, man, she just did not want to come into existence, you know? And so, but once I like felt like I had a handle on her, it was like, you know, it, it wasn't too, it wasn't too difficult. In addition to that, I, I love the ghost rider theme that you mm-hmm. had going on the, the, the fallen carriage, all of that. Mm-hmm. What was the inspiration behind? It? Oh, for the whole mythos thing. Yeah. So I went with the, the Dullahan, which is kind of an Irish, you know, variant of the headless horseman or the headless coachman. Yeah. I went with that because I was originally thinking about being a, a psychopomp generally. And Patrick was like, but could you be more specific of a psychopomp? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, headless horse person. That sounds cool. Like, I could definitely do that. And that's just, I was literally just looking through like Wikipedia articles of like different examples of psychopomps in different culture, in different cultures. So yeah, the the first, uh, the ghostwriter was what I named the uh, the movement playbook because I wanted it to be about kind of slipping in between different layers of reality. A lot of the stories I found about the Dullahan had them kind of kind of accompanying like a fey like wild hunt type thing and like coming up out of moats or like coming up from behind you on the road out of nowhere when you thought you were alone on the road and like that kind of thing. And so I thought that made a lot of sense. Uh, well, that, of course, leads into how and why did all of you choose the mythos you chose? Mm-hmm. So... Jesse, why why the siren? Um, to be honest, it was it was lingering regrets from season one. Oh, I was really jealous of Grace. Oh, <laughs> so it was actually really fun that it was played through that way. That's hilarious because one of the things I really wanted to have was the 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 Dullahan's whip is like notorious for like being really good at and I was thinking about uh Lori's uh razor whip <laughs> the whole oh time. God. I was like, man, razor if I have whip. like a cool ass whip and I never really got it there, but like that's what I was thinking about. So that's really ironic. <laughs> I almost forgot about the razor whip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't forget about the razor whip and like taking oh, out all those only the coolest uh, weapon in the entire podcast. That was so cool. No, I had a jealousy. I was like, why didn't I pick something cool like an opera singer? So <laughs> You're so like a literal I, angel and you're like, why didn't I pick an opera singer? <laughs> I know. I could have gone. I love playing the mon- mundane playbook more than I played the divine with Lori. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was jealous of the that character that you played in the gothic then. And I was like, Eventually, I got to play like a different side of that kind of character. Um, and I was like, why not? Why not make them like a fallen, like they lost their voice, but now they find a different power. I still adore like the old Odysseus um, sirens tied to the mast kind of just that myth that it, it's so fun. So that's where I really went with Echo. And I went into a little bit of Nordic history with the Echoes Through the Cave and stuff like that with the character. And I loved the idea of mixing that with somebody that was similar and just felt like they weren't enough for that transition Mm -hmm. from the technical aspect to the artistic aspect. I pulled a lot of inspiration from that uh, grace in the Gothic then and... And I loved that it transitioned through Grace to Gracie to yeah. Echo. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that play when you did finally um, shock us with who was actually in our bodies. 
which was hmm. another wonderful. That was another episode twist. that was like, yeah, standing on my chair, I, screaming, I yelling, tearing my hair out so much. Yeah, that was totally um, rad. So that was a lot of my inspiration originally for Echo. Mm-hmm. This brings up a point, though, that I would like to uh, note once again that uh, these are not scripted episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally in the slightest, although this season has actually had a bit more scripting, but only in the monologues, which everybody wrote themselves. Right, right. The intro monologues, except for Kirsten and her Ariel and Little Red Riding Hood Uh uh, monologues, which the early ones of those uh, were scripted, but she plays a lot of NPCs, so... Yeah, she, yeah, she's an NPC. She's allowed to be scripted. She's my she's a strong one. Process of info dumping. So, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So these aren't uh, when you hear the cast being surprised. That's generally not faked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm legitimately freaking out. Jesse, can I add on to that real quick? So the thing about Echo, like having lost confidence in themselves, was that something that you had from like from the get go of of creating their character? Yes, and that's that's probably the reason why I only started with one slight flip to the mythos, mm-hmm. is that there was something there, and Patrick actually really enforced it with the reasoning behind this story with the Reign of Bodies, mm-hmm. um, especially when he asked, who did you lose? And I was like, oh, uh, um, that's all played out already, if that's the case. Uh, I loved that lost family member kind of character arc uh, was really fun and having to deal with facing that uh, throughout. I guess that makes it Eric's turn. Uh, why Why, and how did you come to choose the Hunchback? Oh, the Hunchback was a yeah, wonderful was character, by the way. Amazing. I was jealous. You had the whole gothic feeling with the church oh my behind, God. mixed with the library. And well, yeah, you. and the uh, the Baz's completely mundane life of being raised in a cult who's still after you, even you burn the even though you burn the church <laughs> down. God, man. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> no, actually, it was it was literally the fact that it's the Gothic podcast, and <laughs> nice, that's awesome. <laughs> that's a wonderful explanation. Need yeah. say no more. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I I think I do because you know a lot of people probably don't know. Uh, you know, Victor Hugo. The the book was originally titled Notre Dame de Paris, so just the church, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was his his pain to Gothic architecture. The book was. That he was trying to convince people to stop tearing those freaking cathedrals down. Right. And it worked. I forgot about that. Yeah, because it was during a period of history where they were like, well, I need to fix my house. I better pull a brick out of this incredible (laughs) cathedral. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, and use it to prop up my window or whatever. Yeah, or (laughs) or intentionally demolishing them too, but but Mm -hmm. for sure. And so Gothic Architecture, Gothic Podcast, and it was actually already on a list of you know, mythos that I kind of wanted to explore through this game uh, mm-hmm. as kind of a complicated, all right, you know, how would this manifest and what kind of wrenches would that throw at people? Uh, you know, I, I had a list of City of Mist characters I wanted to mm-hmm. to look into, and that was one of them. So I, I was just like, that's it, baby. Yeah. I want to return back to that, what you just said later, but um, how did you come up with the um, the idea of the um, the cult that Baz had grown up in? 
So I had, it was so complicated and I backed into it because of the facial disfiguring. And I was like, mm-hmm. what would cause oh, that? Yeah, you know, yeah. a bad burn. Well, that, you know, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, you know, I could work that into a religious thing and it had to be some kind of religious with a, you know, a toxic father figure mm-hmm. uh, because of Quasimodo's, right. you know, uh, blood Frollo relationship. Yeah. And, and I was just like, it's that toxic religion cult. <laughs> And how Mm -hmm. do you get disfigured? (laughs) Snake handlers. That was actually Sarah's idea. Uh, My wife, when I was talking to her about about building the character, she was she was like, "Well, snake handlers, duh." Yeah. (laughs) And and then uh, uh, Hensley, the arch nemesis dude, was actually also Frollo, obviously. But Hensley's Mm -hmm. the name of the of the preacher who popularized snake handling. uh, Oh wow! America. Dang. I guess uh, this is also a good point at which we can uh, sing the praises of Kirsten and her Ariel and Little Red Riding Hood. Any absolutely comments or thoughts on her and those characters? Well, um, I said this to you already before we started recording, Patrick, but she's she's killing it on on reading her uh, exposition-y monologues. And, and in playing the game, I thought. I mean, I feel yeah, like for yeah. a short time or, you know, on the podcast, she's still... We may or may not have listened to what's what's right. actually happening by this point. I I'm think sure she hears uh, about it. <laughs> yeah, she's keeping it together quite well. Yeah, and then the other thing I think is like uh, props to the extremely consistent accent she's been doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah, <laughs> She actually does listen to the episodes, but she doesn't get to them as quickly as when she's needed to right. play the characters mm-hmm. on the show and mm-hmm. she doesn't want me to tell her spoilers so yeah. <laughs> it, it is kind of a uh, a rough line to yeah. um, straddle there sometimes yeah, yeah. well and she's it's... got a tough role where she's yeah. instigating a lot of this action in the first mm-hmm. place i i appreciate the task she has of being in control of these characters that mm-hmm. she is portraying through the season yeah, and she's like, I mean, she's she's kind of an NPC, but she's also not an NPC because sometimes she does come in and make decisions about stuff, yep. you know. Yeah. And and uh, I think it's probably a pretty unique challenge to come in and run this character that's like the kind of the guiding the guiding like influence that's leading us on this whole journey Even and kind of from like back to the contemporary now character. Exactly. I'm thinking exactly was the about one Haven Harrow all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's got to be a pretty unique challenge because she she doesn't get to play the whole thing along with us. But, you know, she comes in and, and gives us, you know, and when she's coming in and not reading a, you know, a monologue, but like actually playing Haven or whatever, you know, she absolutely kills it, too. So I think she's got that down really, really well. Yeah. And it's so different than the typical guest appearance, you know, mm-hmm. mode of, all right, you're a villain wreck my characters Go. right exactly yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> or yeah. if you're you know uh michael loving coming in and doing magnus oh simeon God. you come in and just <laughs> talk about for three episodes <laughs> with yeah, yeah, but he was trying to wreck our characters he was subtly. trying to wreck our shit yeah <laughs> i love that he was trying to wreck our shit I mean, you know, if you if you consider uh, uh, revealing that you're actually being kind of possessed by by entities from another reality and like <laughs> everything you thought you knew is false or maybe not or kind of like. <laughs> Holy smoke. I, I've got to say at this point that that I didn't realize that we were that the whole that the storyline was taking as long as it was. I, I thought we were going along at a pretty good pace. But when he more or less 
kickstarted the contemporary now influence into oh, yeah. the whole thing. It really made the rest of the season fall into place as to, well, here's how the pacing needs to be. And right. holy crap, we weren't ever going to get there. It was going to take us forever. <laughs> it almost felt like um, shifting a, your car into a gear that you didn't know you had. Like, wait a minute. What did I just do? <laughs> now we're going. <laughs> yeah. Platform nine and three quarters. What yeah, the fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like, what just happened? Um, That was great. I, I always love guest characters, mm -hmm. whether it's a, repeating guest character richard and um we i would love to see richard ever. come back longest guest of all time <laughs> two he seasons. was supposed to be he was supposed to be in it for two episodes and he was in it for two seasons <laughs> <laughs> and you know even even back to nathan i love right i love it all if if i may lead us back into questions about city of mist eric was talking about other stories that you were thinking about, and this was one of the ones you were thinking about, what were some of the other ones that you guys were thinking about doing that you ultimately decided not to do? I know that uh, early on when we were talking about putting the season together, Sharon had some pretty obscure uh, <laughs> mythos choices. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first one I actually thought about when you first pitched this game system to me was Toyotama Hime, which is like the Japanese like princess of dragons? Or heaven, I can't really remember. <laughs> I'm no, sorry, it's totally the way cool. you said that was it's totally, hilarious. No, it's really cool. It's a really cool dragons? legend. It's dragons, I think. No, she's like a <laughs> she's she's like a dragon, but she wants to. It's almost like a little bit little mermaidish that she wants to come up on 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 land and marry like a human man. But um, in order to because she gets pregnant, in order to give birth, she has to revert back to her dragon form. But she knows. Um, her husband's going to reject her if he sees her like that. So she's like, you can't look in like the birthing room. But of course he does because his wife's giving birth in there and sees her as like a dragon, like holding this baby dragon. And she's like, now you can never be with me. And she like goes back into the ocean. But that, that was the first thought I had actually when you first ever pitched that to me. <laughs> okay. Rejected number one. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Mine, I really struggled because I wanted to go with kind of like a little bit more Norse mythology with mm -hmm. like the Grendel and everything. But I was like, mm. no. And then I flipped over the Greek and I was looking through like different like theologies and everything. And I loved the story of the sirens. So mm -hmm. that's where that's cool. I ended up with. I thought about a Norse one too. Um, Tatterhood is a Norse fairy tale. That's like one of my favorites. And has a very clear motivation, like she's trying to rescue her sister from these, like, Norse trolls. Very clear motivation. Would have been way easier than Cadence. I don't know why I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, related to those kind of questions, if, if I might, uh, Echo, when did you decide on the singing sword yeah. as, as a character device? As soon as I started thinking about, like, different, like, harmonies and melody and music and the beat, and everything that goes into a really good song, uh, a tale. So from the beginning? Yeah. Okay. I, that nice. was cool. always one of my flip cards. Okay. Like, from the very beginning, I was like, I loved I loved the mythology behind a singing sword. Um, Even to the goofy... Magic swords do come from ladies and lakes. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, because you had mentioned when you were like, and I go to my medieval armory that I have. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But you said something along the lines of like, and I leave that one special item behind or something like that. Or yep. 
something about but you mentioned it really early on but you were like cagey I about it. Touch it but then it's like yeah. i start to embrace my mythos more uh-huh. and that's when i embrace and like really feel what yeah. it's like it's it was one of those moments where i was this is the turning this is where i am accepting this yeah. part of a hard choice in my life did you have a backstory for how Echo acquired a singing sword and decided that they were not worthy to, like, wield it? Um, Like, so they were totally eBay. Oh, my God. <laughs> Browsers. In a way, like, Amazing. was really hunting down the black market section and, like, looking for that thing that Echo knows what <laughs> they have, but they don't know that they have. That was always the choices that Echo made. Do you all have any questions about uh, any of the NPCs, any of the other characters, and what their mythos were? Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes, actually. (laughs) So many. (laughs) Let me open my notebook. I I mostly had, uh, if I can start with more general questions. Patrick, I had questions about, like, you always talked about, I mean, for like 18 episodes in a row, you were talking about stuff that you know, the places you expected us to go (laughs) and that we didn't go there. Like, what were some of those places? And then, you know, at what point during the season did you know about the Fedora guys? And like, when did you decide to bring those guys in? The people of the Fedora or the men in gray, depending on what episode you're listening to at any given point. And (laughs) Mist Minions. Yeah, the the Mist (laughs) the Mistians. They are actually in the City of Mist uh book um they're yeah they have these uh you know powers over the mist uh they well these things that work you know and increase mist powers and and such i changed them a little bit for this obviously Mm -hmm. well maybe not obviously but i did (laughs) but when did you decide that they were going going to be the mechanism for that transition between the warehouse and the next scene probably in the warehouse (laughs) so yeah that uh, it's when we didn't have time <laughs> to figure out what happened to Magnus Simeon. <laughs> and and you decided then yeah that, that it was going to be missed minions yep <laughs> okay nice they were going to like men in black us i and... knew they existed but i didn't know that they were going to play as big a role mm. as okay. they they ended up playing and when you heard the helicopters coming. I mean, I would love to say that I always know all the things about the world, but it's just not true. So, but when you heard the helicopters coming, I had every expectation that that was Junichiro Hayashi's people mm-hmm. and that our next episode would be a a confrontation with those people. Yeah. But something happened right there. And now I can't remember what it was. And we couldn't do that. We had to move on to something else. I think maybe somebody was uh, missing. We had to we had to kind of flash forward it to somewhere else. Then people, Eric, kept bugging me about well, what happened <laughs> so, with Magnus like, Simeon. What happened? <laughs> and I Michael Loving know. on the Discord, is, you know, is bugging me about well, what happened to Magnus Simeon? Yeah, they just left him there. <laughs> Poor guy. It's like I was there for three episodes. But we had to. Well, I know one of the things was we had to get rolling. We had to get to the musical episode when it yeah. was, you know, on that uh, episode eighteen. Uh, pacing wise or else we weren't going to be able to get the rest of the stuff done mm. when i realized that what we needed was some memory loss 
then the the only option became those guys because that's what they do. They make people forget. Yeah. They right. make people forget their mythos and the strange things they see. They're the they are like the Men in Black with the right. neuralizer in not this, but you know that other show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For copyright reasons, we will yeah. not label them. <laughs> <laughs> Other NPCs, though, you wanted to know the... Oh, yeah. Uh, Weathers. Uh, Cow Weathers. Ooh, that's... Oh! That's an interesting question. The heart right. print boxer. I was, I was going straight for Shirley, but you're on call, yeah. so I love that. Right, Cow totally. Weathers, boss at the metal shop. The place that... <laughs> here's one... To answer your earlier question, I thought we would spend a lot more time at the metal shop. Yeah, <laughs> I think we, we all did. did. <laughs> and we should have. Yeah. The power tag was useless. Yeah. <laughs> I think we used it one time. Cal Weathers. Uh, his mythos was never had one for him. Oh, <laughs> I never oh. had a mythos for Cal oh, Weathers. No. His mythos <laughs> no. was like the boss in like every business sitcom. Yeah, he, his mythos <laughs> is just the boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, so uh, surely not, Patrick. I think you and I at least have talked uh, uh, off recording about Shirley Knott's mythos, but just for listeners' sake, <laughs> could you talk about Shirley Knott's mythos? So Shirley was originally a, a different character altogether, a uh, woman named um, Raffle Adikara. Okay. And I got that from the raffle uh, came from uh, Raffalesia, which is a poisonous flower. And oh. the Atacara is uh, one of the names of Shiva. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, so she was going to be a poison ivy like character. But then your roles kept bringing Shirley not into things. And so <laughs> I super, I, I, I moved her into that. I moved her into that slot. Yeah. And then she she evolved more or less on her own. She was not that mythos. I think Stephen King and some others talk about how their characters sometimes just refuse to be who you have made them. They yeah. insist on being their own person. And um, she became Raffle, but a different kind of Raffle. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she yeah. became the, her yeah. mythos uh, is Lady Luck, that she is able to shape luck so that things happen around her that need to happen. You could say she she uh, she got lucky and uh, got a bigger uh, role. <laughs> <laughs> the scene in the Boba Fett when she came out as one of the... Yeah. <laughs> I want to say burlesque at that point. Yeah. I think it basically was, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, kind of like, I loved that. That was a great NPC character progression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, by that point, who the I fuck think is that, she? Yeah, um, like I and also Cadence and character were so suspicious of this person. <laughs> it's just like, what's going on? <laughs> you thought you knew them because they worked with you, but <laughs> at the same time, there's like this not. whole other side of them that's dancing half naked at the Boba Fett. <laughs> oh man, Magnus Simeon is uh, Simon Magus uh, from the Old Testament, yes. the magician. Yeah. <laughs> Were there any NPCs who had Mythoi we didn't realize? Uh, Jean Vier, the mm. mad oh. street prophet, mm -hmm. uh, was Nostradamus. 
Oh okay. wow! Okay. okay, I went. I went I for kind of like something. an oracle thing. I have a. I was, yeah. I was going with the oracle uh, of Delphi. Like an oracle thing, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. based on the madness. <laughs> <laughs> but on the same vein, Andy was an oracle of sorts. It it took me a while to figure out that Andy was was anything, you know. Poor Andy. We <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, like, but that's so in character for him, right? But. You know, because at first I was like, oh, my God, we're spending so much time on this guy who's just like nothing. And he was not. He was not nothing. (laughs) (laughs) No, he had a lot of answers. Yeah. (laughs) And you kept. Yeah, it was another thing where it was like, well, they keep trying to get rid of this guy. And he's going to he's kind of important because I always knew who he was and what that that he and Raffle needed mm-hmm. to get together in order mm-hmm. to open the the gates and so the how much ghostbusters influence went into that that was purely <laughs> that was purely unintentional i fear okay. yeah there was <laughs> it, it was there but it was unintentional i love the idea of throwing that slight silly campy Right, Ghostbusters, <laughs> Keymaster, and Gatekeeper yeah, mythos yeah, yeah. into the two of them. That was beautiful. It was very. That funny. was a wonderful <laughs> moment in playing the game. Just uh, for you know, for posterity, though, um, Andy was not Robert Frost. Um, Andy, <laughs> his mythos was quite literally the poem. The road not taken. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> by perfect. Robert Frost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> by Robert Frost. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I, f- I felt like I, I remember, I think I made a joke about like, oh, my God, is he Robert Frost? And then it's like, <laughs> well, <laughs> not exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's any other NPCs. I'm looking at my list here uh, who had mythos that didn't come out. Uh, there are ones I just never developed any mythos for that I could have if I needed to. Kelly O'Brien, the unfortunate oh, yeah. Ivy Corp delivery driver who got killed yeah. um, in front of the metal shop. Uh, who who murdered him? By the way, we never found that out. <laughs> it was it was desiccated ones because if a desiccated oh, gotcha. one kills you, then you can rise then again. Then you turn into oh god, yeah. Jesus, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was definitely. I thought there was, was a potential side different. arc because Anubis was deadish. Mm-hmm. That anybody who died would be coming back to life. If you oh. if you had gone to the morgue, something like that might have happened. But it yeah. no. <laughs> of course, Junichiro Hayashi was the. And I'm gonna just murder this um you know the yeah the akagahara the (laughs) suicide forest Um, yeah yeah yeah. there was a character that never appeared uh that uh, originally i had an idea that junichiro hayashi had a a guy working for him who was actually the uh uh, his mythos was the piper of of hamlin oh that'd be cool i should have been that (laughs) would be who had piped the yeah the dead Mm-hmm. But it mm-hmm. it just was that wasn't coming together. It wasn't working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was going to be a separate character until Magnus Simeon came together. Oh, I loved Magnus. There was um, a character who was going to be a, the mythos of his mythos was the necromancer. Oh, um, and his mythos was going to be the like uh, Warhammer necromancer. Uh, Herman Ghost is the name that I had for this character. That's okay. a pretty cool name for a necromancer. I think that was most of them. How about uh, my man from the band uh, Salmon Explosion? Oh, <laughs> Jax. Fender yeah, Jax. Fender yeah, Jax. Fender Jax. Yeah, poor Fender. He had <laughs> nothing going for him, mythos-wise. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> 
Phoebe originally didn't have a uh, mythos. Or, oh, really? Yeah, or didn't play a particularly big part. It was roles and some other things that oh. uh, brought her in, like like Shirley Not. Yeah, yeah. Gave her a bigger role than what would have otherwise been. And then um, my only other NPC that, um, and he's, I have a, a question here of uh, what questions are you left with for your City of Mist characters? And I know that Baz <laughs> has a loose string of oh, yeah. um, of his Esmeralda, uh, Victoria oh, Mara, yeah. who is a reporter for a, a magazine called The Witchfinder General. <laughs> <laughs> Very good omens. <laughs> nice. But uh, do you have any questions for uh, that we left hanging for your City of Mist characters? I won't promise to answer them, but we'll see what we got. Well, I, I don't think there were ones that uh, you could answer, yeah. but obviously, yeah, Baz would you know, be interested in following up on Esmeralda's. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know that there was, I mean, besides the, uh, you know, in City of Mist, you come up with like a mystery that your mythos wants to explore. And with each like playbook you pick, you come up with a new mystery. Like besides those, I don't think Cadence had anything else. Because I think that this whole thing wound up like so far from where Cadence expected it to be that she was just like, <laughs> all right, everything I thought I cared about is like, completely small potatoes compared to what's just been revealed to me. (laughs) (laughs) What about Echo? Well, Echo Mm. underwent a big transformation. Pretty radical. Throughout the whole season, um, it was just like one thing after another. And Mm -hmm. I loved the the specific transformative period Mm -hmm. through Echo's progression through their story, story arc. And I think it played really well to what I was looking forward to in the creation of Echo. I didn't expect it to go as quick or as far as it did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love... Disintegration is pretty far. Yeah, that's oh. pretty dramatic. <laughs> when when those roles came, I was like, holy, okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, thank you, Dice. I love yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> Dice gods forever be on my side. Yeah, did uh, <laughs> did 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 going Avatar happen the way you anticipated, or what did it uh, like? Did you picture going Avatar a different like you know when you're thinking like if I go Avatar, it's going to be like this? Like, did you expect it that way? I wasn't expecting this the drastic transition. Mm-hmm. I appreciated it, and it was fun to flip some of those logos cards into mythos cards. I think it played really well. It felt a lot like season one and Lori and just like being a badass for a moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I love the slow, dramatic story arc also. And I still think Echo had that. I I also think it was really cool that Echo was the one that went Avatar based on what you what you were saying about like, um, you know, Echo had completely given up on like doing anything with her voice and stuff like that. And like Mm -hmm. the singing sort of like acceptance of this and then they like they're the one that winds up like dissolving into the air you know it was really cool i love how each of these seasons it turns toward the end toward being something you know i mean i might have had hopes and dreams but (laughs) (laughs) but that it turns toward uh, oftentimes being about a character that maybe we didn't expect it to be about that that there's an arc that happens not just in the in this overarching storyline but in a particular character or two that uh, just makes the whole thing i guess much more personal yeah 
I mean, we saw that in definitely in season two. two. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I tried to work personal, like, I mean, you know, kind of references in throughout some of the bigger oh, yeah. ones were, uh, you know, when Haynes was like, don't make me do another daring rescue. I was like, okay, we've got to, we've got to come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and at some point I I wanted to say you've got what it takes to echo because that was something early on that uh-huh. you know I think is one of his monologues had highlighted as an insecurity and I just wanted mm-hmm. to like yeah. <laughs> right, like hit that right. point but I didn't really get there. I was going to call out actually your moment where Sloshy does break through, makes Cadence change shape and freaking murders <laughs> Lazarus Kane and what a triumph you know like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh my god you know? there's a song yeah. about it check out our music it was really cool <laughs> we re-released on the new year no and, um, and I was I was uh eight parts excited two parts worried I was gonna be uh get x-carded and be stepping <laughs> on your improv toes no it was absolutely well because I, I think like that's that. the thing is that I, I I never expected anything like that to happen um, even though I had literally just as a uh, doc hijacked Echo's vocal cords, you know, right. and so like <laughs> I should have known that was going to come back. But uh, you know, <laughs> it it was just it was really like cool and glorious, you know. That was that was a good scene. Yeah, I guess it's about time for some shout outs because the night draws late and the darkness has fallen, and our sojourners have joined us in that darkness. But it's time to let them go home and hopefully avoid. The hoofbeats of the Dullahan. Mm. I do have at least one more question before we close out. I still have questions, of course, but yeah, not many of them are serious. <laughs> We've got through a lot of the good ones. We talked about one of the kind of, you know, maybe Easter eggy type things that I wanted to work in with Baz, you know, with the whole Gothic connection mm-hmm. and the Notre Dame connection. Did anybody get Baz the point of Baz's name? No, I did not. No. So uh, Quasimodo is Low Sunday. That's the day oh. that he was collected as a, you know, as a foundling. And uh, Ba, en ba is low in French. So wow. low Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's great. I picked a, I picked a um, cadence because it felt right um, in terms of rhythm as in, in music, but also as in rhythms of, of life. Mm-hmm. But uh, Cadence's middle name is uh, Faye, which I don't think ever came up in the actual season. But mm. um, no, but I mean, the Faye. Right, the Faye. Right. Uh, you know, uh, originally Faye was um, so my I think it was my uh, great grandfather. Um, his middle name was Faye. And I thought that sounded nice in her name. Okay. And then original, yeah. and then after that, I was like, oh, like, oh, like the, like the Faye. Right. You know. But um, anyway, that's where that came from. Okay, nice. What were your throwaway questions? Yes. Um, well, I wanted to talk about songwriting, but I have a very important question from my sister Mariposa, who guested with us on the uh, uh, one shot we just did for Halloween. If you were a cheese, what kind of cheese would you be? <laughs> right, what is yeah. this esoteric dating? <laughs> <laughs> I asked if she had any questions, and that's what she gave me. So. <laughs> Fun. Okay. Or your character, if you don't want to answer for yourself. <laughs> Rear your final answer. For the character? Or yourself, whatever. For myself, um Rear. Yeah. 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 A nice or actually no. Sorry. Changing the answer, Smoky Gouda. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. 
Hmm. Yeah, I think something uh, mild but still pretty coarse, like uh, maybe Edom for for Baz. Okay. Hmm. I, I feel like looking back over this season and trying to remember, you know, some of the things that happened that I should probably go with Swiss cheese myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, go with an aged instead. It yeah, sounds yeah, yeah, so yeah. much more, you know, proper. And for Cadence? Oh, um, like an aged Manchego. Okay. Just like you see Manchego on a menu, you're like, ooh, yeah, that's the cool. That's the cool Really, stuff. really bright. But yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Well, uh, let's do some shout outs. I want to give some big shout outs to um, Zoe Hovland. Who does our yes. uh, regular uh, theme music, but also uh, really stepped up and gave us a beautiful noir mm-hmm. intro off yeah. of a riff off of our yeah. regular In- one. Incredible, yes. yeah, very amazing. And I wish I I'd gone to her and gotten a, a, a sci-fi version for the yeah, Alien right. season. That would have right. been, been, oh, yeah, been yeah. great. That so cool. And of course, our art is done by Jared George Art, and mm-hmm. I have never seen a reason to want to change, change it. it. Yeah, <laughs> no need. Still good. Let's. Yeah, it's great. I love that S fifty series mic um, <laughs> with the bloody hand. I love that so much. And of course, shout outs to the cast here uh, who make this Ooh. all possible. Because without them, none of this would work. And uh, to Patrick, who does all of the editing as of right now. (laughs) (laughs) And to Patrick for creating this crazy world that we all get to play in. What's up with our shenanigans? This would be a much less pleasant podcast to listen to if we did not have him (laughs) editing it. (laughs) Yes, which is how we can record now for an hour and a half. But what we'll be left with is only about 48 minutes worth of... Yep. (laughs) I would also like to shout out uh, to our... Um, listeners, please. And oh, yes. um, without you, we're just talking. Yeah, yeah, we're just talking to ourselves. All of our listeners, primarily from the United States, but also our listeners in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to you all. Uh, Australia, mm-hmm. uh, the United Kingdom. We have some listeners in the Philippines and a couple of listeners here and there from Canada and Switzerland and uh, even one listener. And a big shout out to you. And I hope that you are having the best day you possibly can uh, from Ukraine. Oh, oh wow. Dang. We love you all. Um, yeah. We thank every single download and listen that we do mm-hmm. get. And New Zealand and Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> thank you guys. That's just too. in the last week. We've had uh, listeners from, uh, from all over, and uh, we are so grateful for you all uh, for sticking one. with us. for. These, uh, what's going to now be coming up on five seasons oh, of man. our hilarity shenanigans and Woo-hoo. the end of our five season mega arc. Mm-hmm. So, with that said, what, uh, what do our contemporary now characters, you know, see in their future? Oh, a dark tower. Yeah, Dr. Grace is pr- pr- pretty tired of uh, playing defense and cleanup and wants to go on the offensive. Um, so 
I fully expect to be uh, planning, you know, trying to strategize avenues of uh, of taking this guy down. LJ's kind of like totally man at this point. Man, what else can we deal with? Point and click. Show me the direction, dude. <laughs> and Sloshy, of course, wants to get its real. Kill him um, again. Yeah. How, how many times do I got to kill this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and we will be taking steps toward that uh, with uh, when we uh, start off on the first of our short arcs uh, that will be uh, happening in season five with Brindlewood Bay, where our contemporary now characters will find themselves in the bodies of little old ladies. <laughs> oh. Oh, I love this idea. I love it so much. I haven't done that before. Wink. (laughs) My Miss Marple voice is not ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) These whippersnappers these days, they got no respect. All right. Any last words? Oh, yeah. I wanted to give some shout outs, if I may, to things that I used when I was like researching this season and stuff. Songwriting. Um, the book Fairy Legends and Traditions of South of Ireland, collected by Thomas Croft and Croker, and particularly the ballad titled The Death Coach, which had so many headless puns. It's very <laughs> funny. Oh, yeah. um, Doris V. Sutherland's article on her website, which is titled The History of the Dullahan and Irish Folklore. Um, I listened to The Ballad of the Dullahan by Joel Sattler a lot, and also Ballad of the Headless Horseman, which I didn't use as inspiration, but it was is awesome and you should go listen to it. And then last but not least, I want to give a massive call out and massive thank you to R.L. Stein with the Goosebumps series book, The Headless Ghost, one of the first chapter books I ever read when I was learning how to read. And um, I didn't think about it until like last week. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to give a call out to The Headless Ghost, who I think about every time I see a a house that has a widow's walk on it or go bowling. (laughs) 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 There's a bowling ball. They think it's his head. You know, it's. it's (laughs) Yep. So I wanted to shout out the couple of cast member things still. Uh, the way Jesse made character connections through the seasons, basically, and, and really made those live through the character he was playing in the moment. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple instances of that that I, I was just like, man, that is a deep cut. Good job. <laughs> oh, thank you. And and I got to say, Mama Cadence throughout the, throughout the arc of the story was just uh, mint. I loved it. <laughs> You will love yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, I mean, talking about resources, there's so much with the hunchback in it that uh it was a real it was it was real difficult to figure out what balance to strike. Uh, because he's actually not the most prominent character in the book. <laughs> he's mm. just one. And, you know, subsequent media has made him so central, but it, it's not necessarily the case. And I just Mandy Patinkin's performance in the like TV special with Richard Harris in it. Oh. Uh, that, uh, like, watching that was just like, okay, that's what I'm shooting for. And I didn't didn't quite get there as much as I wanted to, but there's there's a lot of I gotta out go there check that, that out. That sounds rad. It's really good. A shout out to you as well. You have jumped into this and been a wonderful part of this process. And Patrick, mm-hmm. ultimately, uh, there's not enough appreciation to go around for what you have created and these fun worlds that we have been able to be a part of. I'll take bottles of liquor instead. I'll bring (laughs) one over. As well. As well, sir. I will bring one over then. (laughs) All right. 
I guess that wraps up this retrospective and that wraps up season four of oh, wow. the Gothic podcast. Join us again in January of 2024 wow. for season five. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Good night, Sojourners. The Gothic Podcast is a horror and humor actual play audio drama produced by C. Patrick Nagel and Goblin Brook Manor LLC, starring C. Patrick Nagel, Sharon Gallery Lafournaise, Jesse Baldwin, Eric Halbert, and me, Kirsten Valerie. Our logo was designed by Jared George Art, and our theme music is by Zoe Hovland. We stay afloat thanks to you, so if you can, please support us on Patreon and follow, like, and review us on iTunes and all our social media platforms. Thanks for joining us in the dark, Sojourners. (laughs) ¶¶